to the Boss Ladies Podcast, hosted by myself, Swalia. I'm Orna. And myself, Manasi. And today our guest is Ananya. If you could please introduce yourself and give a little bit of your background, that would be great. Um, hi guys, I'm Ananya. I'm the founder of Full Circle, and I'm also an immigrant in the U.S., so I guess that is a very brief introduction about me. I studied engineering, uh, predominantly both in the U.S., and in other countries, and um, I've had pretty diverse experiences um, from what I've done. And so, yeah, that's a bit about me. I guess, could you expand a little bit more about, like, what the mission of Full Circle is? Sure. So Full Circle started out as a turbine company in 2017. Um, And then I had lots of experiences personally, and then I saw a lot of people at university suffer with their mental health. And so we made a radical switch from making turbines to making mental health tech. Um, And we're now developing a community-based mobile app, which is almost like a social media, but um, it is more centered around community um, to make it easier to ask for help when you need it, where people share their experiences. um, And it's completely free um, instead of it being that you have to go to a therapist and sort of go through that entire process. It's just basically people who've gone through similar experiences talking to one another um, and saying, hey, I've been there, done that. So I understand where you're coming from. So that's what Full Circle does now. Nanya also had a few pretty diverse experiences. I remember watching your talk and um, you said that for a while you did research um, fertilizers in India mm-hmm. and how to basically make the um, climatical output not be as um wasteful and so you studied cockroaches for a long time and you read like different areas of books and then you dove deep into this topic so like you mentioned that you started out just spending hours reading upon various books from like military strategy to like biochemistry and then finally looking into this fertilizer problem I really wonder these various areas of knowledge and like books how have they helped in like developing your solution for um, the fertilizers? Sure, so I think, um, Orna, I think I've you know, read a lot about you. I know you have um, your own research in Alzheimer's and other things, which is amazing. And so I think just to answer your question, you also come across as someone who reads a lot. And so when you read quite a few things, what happens is it shapes the way you think about the world around you. And I think instead of it just influencing the way I approach the problem of fertilizers in India, what it did was widen my perspective of how to tackle problems. And so for me, I think I go through periods of latency where I just have an entire period where I just read, 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 and then I create, 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 because I think both those things can only happen once you have a worldview of how things are supposed to happen. So I think just to answer your question, reading is more means to an end for creative output. Because if you don't have enough information going in, then what it does is hamper the way that you output things. So for me, I think creative thoughts come from putting your brain through a lot of information from different facets of life, because then it can make these remote connections that are not usually visible to other people if you don't read that much. You know, so I think for creative people, um, it's really important to absorb information, not just from books, but from other people, um, other other people's experiences 
to sort of go into and dive into what you really want to do? I hope that answers the question. Actually, I, I kind of have this sort of relatable experience in mind. So um, we, we were from this uh, program called the Knowledge Society. And mm -hmm. for a while, um, I incredibly loved that program. We were exposed to a wide variety of books, but also there's an emphasis on perhaps reading nonfiction books or like self-help books and like looking more into, I guess, reality and like what people made from a specific topic. And so there was a point of time where I didn't read a fiction book at all. And mm -hmm. I think um, now that I've gone back to reading fiction books or historical fiction specifically, I think you can really draw upon different experiences from both and like make these sorts of connections I probably wouldn't have never made if I never read those. I'm still trying to figure out how that could perhaps change my perspective when I try to approach a problem. But it was, it was, it was, that was why that portion really stood out to me in the podcast. Right. No, I think um, what is really important is you guys are going to build things that are going to be the future of what the world is, right? You, you all are doing amazing things. I read so much about all three of you. And it's really important that when you're in positions of power that you've read enough and you've absorbed enough information and different perspectives that you develop your own. And then you can impose that opinion that you have when you have that position of power, right? So right now is the time to read, absorb information and forever. It just doesn't happen at a certain age. You have to keep doing that. I still to this day have more books in my room that I can read. My table is still covered in books. I still have a messy room. And so I think more than anything, it doesn't always have to make sense how you draw those inferences as long as you're making progress and you're learning every day. So that's what I think is important. Yes, yeah, so one thing that you said that was really interesting and that it's really important to be informed, especially when you're in positions of power. And if you feel like you've ever made like some sort of like misjudgment and you didn't realize it in the moment, but like later on you reflected on it and realized you might have like missed a piece of information or not properly drawn to a conclusion. So I think that's a wonderful question. I will say I've made more mistakes in my life than I can count. Um, big mistakes, huge mistakes. I've almost blown up our research lab worth billions of dollars. That was that's not interesting. Yeah, it was not interesting at the time, I'll tell you. <laughs> um, and I made lots of horrendous mistakes. I've managed to get completely lost in another country where I didn't know the language. That's happened to me. So I think systematically there are mistakes that happen when you're trying to do things in uncharted territory. Like it's going to happen, especially because you don't have a rule book on how to develop your relationships and sort of live life. There's a lot of information about your professional life, but there's not a lot of information about how to optimize your personal life. And I think a lot of people miss out on that. So I think you have studied a lot of new cultures. You, you read a lot of poetry from what I know about you. And so I think for us, people that vibrate on that plane, they need to read and learn about other people's experiences. And then I think mistakes are inevitable. Some mistakes are harder than the rest, but they're going to happen. I always had straight A's in high school. Um, I was this very perfect Miss Goody Two Shoes. Everyone always called me the golden retriever in school. Um, and I hated it. But I later realized in life that mistakes are a part and parcel of trying to do something that hasn't quite been done in the same way that you're trying to do it. So I think for all the high schoolers trying to tune in, if you've had straight A's, that is fantastic. It speaks volumes to the amount of work and hard work that you've done. 
but don't be afraid to make mistakes. They're going to happen. I think that's a really interesting point about like how there's a lot of information about how to optimize your professional life and obviously like waking up really early and like having routines and developing all these habits and like pre-mortems, post-mortems, mindsets, all of that. But like, I don't know, like first principles thinking isn't always going to be like what you use when you're like facing a problem in your personal life. I mean, it might be, but I think there's like, you can't really optimize for that as easily as you can for your professional life. And that's something I feel like I've realized really recently. And also being more aware of the failures I'm making in my personal life, right? Like with it, whether that be within relationships or within situations I'm getting myself into, I feel like some of the biggest issues I have been facing recently, and like maybe you can speak to this a little bit, are like within my personal life. I think I've I almost consume myself within like making content, um, consuming content, uh, trying to obviously like take on projects and all of these things that I'm not able to pay as much attention to my personal life. And I feel like that really eats at me a lot. And I feel like that almost like bleeds into some of the failures that occur in like my professional life. I think that goes into two different things. The first one is choosing to optimize, to do a limited number of things with a lot of energy and a lot of dedication. And then I think because our generation has so many choices that you can make, you can become a content creator, you can become a YouTuber, you can become a millionaire by doing those things. Or you can just go to school, you can go the traditional route, get a PhD, and just be really focused on research and go that traditional route of making money. But there are so many more options these days for what we can do that I think it's significantly harder for our generation to sort of focus. But I think it's most important to focus on a couple of things because if you are trying to put your energy into 20 different buckets, you're just never going to yield the results that you want to see. There's so many people I talk to every day that are frustrated with their life because they they think they're passionate about a lot of things. And I tell them the same thing. I say the same thing. I say, I'm going to give you some tough love. You're not really passionate about so many things. Because if you were really passionate about them, you would be pursuing them. And while you pursue 20 different things, you're not going to have enough time for all 20. And your passions are naturally going to slip away. Because to pursue something for many years and develop a specialty in it, it takes a lot of dedication and, and it takes picking yourself back up again and again after failure. And so you quickly realize you're not really passionate about the things you were really passionate about. You were just interested in them. So your passions are something that you think you will stick to even when the going gets tough. And I, I quite find that very often people think, um, hey, I'm passionate about 20 different things. I just tell them, go try out all 20 <laughs> and you'll know very quickly. Um, that's the first thing. And then the second thing is, with my personal life, I've made quite a few mistakes. I've made some really bad friends. Um, I've made friends that, you know, I felt like I knew, but I didn't really, and they didn't know me. Um, I've also made mistakes with my parents. I mean, I, I thought I would call them up enough when I immigrated to the US, and I didn't do that. And I still beat myself up to this day for not making enough time for them. So by all means, I think it's really important that we not just think about our professional life and how to optimize it, but, you know, also think about what we really define as success, because at the end of the day, if your definition of success is not being this person that is working 24-7 in your professional life, then I think there's something missing, and that's the optimization of your personal life. It comes through experimentation. And so I think 
it's really important and it's really great that you're thinking about these things so early on, you know, that shows some clarity of thought. But I think acting on that is also equally important. So that's what I think um, I have to say on that. I guess one thing I wanted to ask was, how did you begin to like choose and like be more intentional about the people that you surrounded yourself around? Because you said you had experiences with like bad friends and you get like better at identifying who you want to build relationships with. I guess like what was that experience like? So I think with my friends, I, I have a very distinct strategy. I have a core inner circle and I have a rotating outer circle of friends with loose connections. So, you know, concentric circles. I have a core circle that I hold on to no matter what country I go to. And then I have concentric circles of friends I am not as close to as the circle widens, right? And I think for my core group of friends, they don't do the same things I do. They're not engineers. Um, they don't go to the same schools I do. Um, but at, at the very core, we emotionally bond over things and they know me completely. Like I can share anything with them. I can call them up at 3 a.m. at night. And those friends I hold on to. And so I've, I've started developing a concentric circle of friends and started thinking about relationships that way, where I don't keep in touch with everyone all the time. You know, so I think I've also become comfortable saying, hey, this relationship and friendship is not working out for me. Maybe it's time to take a step back and put you in a concentric circle that's far away from my core circle, you know, but it's good. You're cordial. You still talk to them. It doesn't have to be that you have to decide what friendships you want. But I think for me, it has been a lot of experiments. There has no, not been one way to optimize that. So I think that's a really good question. I'm still thinking about it. So if you find a solution to that, I would love to hear it. Um, but yeah, I think it's important to choose the people you surround yourself with in two different ways. One is your intellectual friends, who you can have really deep, meaningful conversations and intellectual banter with. And then there's friends. Sometimes they can overlap, but most times they don't. Yeah. You know, yeah, they, sometimes it's those friends that are there for you emotionally, mentally, when you really need. So they don't always have to overlap, but you need to find a balance between what you need and then what, what energy you're willing to invest in every friendship. Because every friendship is also like a relationship. You have to invest energy for it to work. That's what I've learned. Yeah, I definitely I just resonate with you because I have my friends that I've like grown up with, like gone to middle school with. I've known them for years, um, but like not none of them are like really interested in going into like neuroscience or going into like the tech states. But I love them. Like, I feel like I can trust them with anything. And I think, like you said, I have a really strong emotional bond with them versus like my friends in TKS. We have a lot more like similar interests and like similar ambitions and goals. And I also love them, but I haven't known them for years and years and haven't gone through the same experiences as my friends that I've grown place so I definitely understand like what you mean no, I think having a framework for that is also important so I'm glad you've identified those friends and I think widening both those circles is equally important right right I think something that has been more prevalent I guess even especially since we are all high schoolers is the idea of a lot of transactional relationships I feel like mm -hmm. that's kind <laughs> of really common and the thing with transactional relationships is they can be good on both sides, but I feel like there's definitely a balance, right? And I feel like you can't really identify a relationship as transaction until you're like at a certain point and then it sort of hits you. And I'm like, well, like, is this a relationship I sort of want to invest time in? I feel like that's something I've been thinking about lately with like how much, I mean, obviously I will, I'm getting value out of these relationships, but it's like, I have to figure out a balance of like how much time am I willing to invest in a relationship that's giving me value, but isn't giving me 
an emotional support or um, there's no really bond, I guess. Monty, I love that you've even thought about these things. I feel like I'm talking to like grownups. I'm not talking to high school kids. But it's really interesting. Trans transactional relationships um, and networking when it's tra transactional isn't really networking because you're constantly expecting something in return while you're doing it. And that never plays out well. I think that is not a relationship. I don't even think that's business. I clear out my phone every year. So I go through my phone contact list and I delete and clear out my phone every year. Um, and every phone number that I delete from my phone, I text them saying, hey, look, we've been fantastic friends. I appreciate the time I've spent with you, but this friendship or relationship is no longer working out for me. And I need to move on to better things. I had a fantastic time. I wish you all the best. Goodbye. And they're gone. But I think clearing out your space and your mind to make space for new things and new friendships that are not transactional is very important and highly underrated. So I would say that you should invest time if you're facing that problem in clearing out the trash. And I, I mean, it is trash at the end of the day. So clear out the trash, <laughs> make space to bring in the gifts and the gift of new friendship. But yeah, you, you're not gonna get new friends. You're not gonna attract the right people if you're stuck and have the energy of the wrong people in your life. So take out the trash ASAP. I definitely resonate with that. I think energy is a really huge aspect of it. I think the energy that people give off. And I think something I've also been intentional about is um, seeing, I guess, just noticing the negativity and positivity that each relationship brings, right? And I think like there's certain people I enjoy spending time with, but then I'm done with, like I finish a conversation with them and I'm like, oh, I, I feel worse than I did at the beginning. Like, and I think something that a lot of people struggle with, and I think I've noticed this by talking to friends and just people in general, is that we're not often aware of these patterns, right? Like we're not aware of like, like it takes us a really long time to identify a person as positive or negative. And I think being intentional about that early on just helps you a lot. Yes, for sure. And I love how you put that. I won't, I won't change a single thing you said. So I wonder how has it changed for you in like trying to, um, I guess, make these relationships as non-transactional as possible whenever, like, especially now during the pandemic, because whatever I felt with trying to establish connections, even whenever I reach out for like a second call or something, still feels a little a bit more jumbled whereas whenever I interact with someone even new um um whenever it's just like going in person it's it feels a little less transactional I wonder how you how you try to make up for it um I'm just going to clarify the question is it that you're wondering how to make deeper connections and friendships while you're sitting across the screen is that the question yeah that's more that makes sense that's a better okay I get that. I think the pandemic definitely made it harder. Um, and I think Full Circle really took off at the beginning of the pandemic where these relationships were hard to come by. And I know you guys have looked at the Full Circle community. It's a place where people just are their authentic selves. Like it's not like they have a mask in front of them that they're putting out into the world. 
I think for me personally, I think if you let your personality shine through, even during a video call like this one, right? Like I can see your faces. Um, I know your background context. And I think we're talking more like friends than this being a podcast. So I think if you authentically try and connect with people, you will genuinely attract the right kind of person instead of attracting the wrong kind of person. Now, I know this is putting a lot of pressure on you to look inward, but I think most times we try and create a change in the world, whereas in reality, we just need to create a change in our own attitude because we attract the energy we put out into the world. So if you're coming from a place of genuine wanting to help someone and genuinely wanting a friendship and you're your authentic self and you show that, then there is no reason you should attract the wrong kind of people. I faced this problem where I've attracted the wrong kind of person into my life. And it took me a really long time to get rid of those kind of people. But I had to change myself. You, you can't go around changing the world if you've not changed your own self. So I think looking inward instead of trying to change outward things is more important. Or not, does that help? Yeah, that, that definitely helps. Okay. Yeah, so one thing I want to ask is, I know this is like a very big question, but who do you think has been the person that's impacted your life the most? Like it could be in a negative or like positive way too. They might have forced you to grow or they might have like been there for you in a difficult time or something. For sure. I think um, <laughs> there's so many people. I don't think my journey in itself is interesting. I think the people that make up and constitute my journey have made it what it is. And so for me, I think I've had friends in the UK that have been really helpful, um, never going to forget them. And I think I've made friends in the US that have just stuck by me through thick and thin. Um, I have my Indian friends that I can call up at 2 a.m. and be like, I am having an emotional meltdown right now because this boy broke my heart. And they're like, OK, we need to talk about this. But yeah, I have these boy conversations and gossip and whatnot. I mean, there's so many people that have impacted me, but I think in terms of role models that I look up to I have three main ones the first one is this really um not so well-known person Antonio Brico who was the first uh, female orchestra conductor in Netherlands and she she became the first woman who immigrated I think I think to the U.S. and she she became the first woman con conductor of an orchestra so she had a really interesting story where she had so many hardships coming in as an immigrant she has an entire movie. It's called The Conductor. You guys should look it up. Mm -hmm. um, so that's one person that really impacted me. The second movie I think that I watched when I was a kid in India was Homeless to Harvard, the Liz Murray story. Um, and I cry every time I watch that movie. Um, you guys should look it up. I watched that movie, I think, 20 times. I know each and every sentence by heart in that movie, and it still makes me cry. And I think the third person is the first gymnast to score a perfect 10 in gymnastics, um, Nadia, and she was also an immigrant. I think you guys must have heard of her. So those are the three people that have sort of been role models. And I know they're very, they're not well known at all. And you don't barely hear about them. But um, growing up, I think I was just fascinated by these immigrants and women who've just been extremely dedicated, even though they face so many hardships. And yeah, they stuck with me. 
Yeah, and it's interesting that they might not have necessarily been in like your field of domain, right? But you took something from each woman, like their work ethic or their resilience, especially since they were immigrants, that's something that you were able to connect to. So I thought that was an interesting point of like, why are they your role models? And I was thinking about like just relationships in general. I think one thing that I've learned is to not expect somebody else to be like everything, right? I feel like maybe when I was younger, I expected maybe like one person to have everything that like I was interested in or understand everything but it doesn't really make sense I feel like being able to categorize and identify like what different types of people or what types of needs they make for you what type of energy they give you I think that's helped me have like a more balanced life and outlook on how I interact with people and how I build friendships for sure 100% agree with that I think I also used to be the same way where I thought why doesn't this person have the exact same worldview that I have? And why can I not find one friend that does it all for me, you know, intellectually, emotionally, everything. So which is why I said I was very specific when I said, those don't always intersect. It's great if they do. But sometimes you just derive different things from different relationships and friendships. So completely agree with that. Okay. I guess if you were to talk to your high school self about um, these sort of things, what would be like the main takeaway that you would tell them right now? I think people need less advice in their life and more hugs. <laughs> 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 um, I certainly wasn't like you guys in high school. I was very busy playing soccer with the guys on the street. Um, <laughs> I just, I had mud on my knees. My mom hated it. Every day I would come back home just looking completely dead, covered in mud. <laughs> I don't think that girl needs any advice. That girl is just doing just fine. I think she needs a hug. Um, I would look back and say, please get your life in order. <laughs> it get harder. Um, and I, I, I just genuinely think you guys should enjoy your life. You're in high school. I, I miss my high school days. Um, not really, now that I think about it. I don't have <laughs> don't think I had the best time um but I do miss how carefree life was and how much mud I dragged into the house every day and how much I annoyed my mom I still to this day tease her we talk every Sunday she's gonna call me up in the morning morning tomorrow and she's gonna be like so who did you play soccer with today and I'm just gonna be like mom let me tell you there's this shirtless guy he was really cute and we played soccer together those are still conversations you have but yeah I mean I mean, for high schoolers coming out into this kind of new age, I would say focus. You know what your passions are. Just have the courage to explore them a bit more. And I think, honestly, they don't need any advice. They're doing just fine. I feel like you guys have so much more information out there. You guys need less advice, less information, and more hugs, if I'm being honest. But that's all I have to say to that. Yeah, one thing that I definitely think of is especially in the U.S., I'm just like a global thing, but in the U.S., the college admissions process, it's like, it's so stressful. It's this insane amount of pressure. And like, oh, so many kids are trying to get into like their dream school, trying to be like this perfect human, trying to be the best that they can, like spending hours on extracurriculars and grades and all of that. And I feel like this college admissions process, at times it almost like dehumanizes people. Like we're not allowed to like just make mistakes and fail, even though we're so young, like we're expected to like have everything 
together. We basically are expected to know what we want out of life when we haven't even been of like legal age. We can't even, we're not even independent yet, but we're expected to know what we want and know exactly what direction. So I feel like that's a really interesting point that you made that we have so much information and sometimes we just need to be seen as humans again and just have more personal like interactions. I know. Yeah. I like really resonated. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Sorry. I was gonna say I really resonated with two points of that. I think the first one was like courage. I mean, I feel like I feel like a lot of people I know just shy away, and it's like stick to what you know. And I feel like it just makes high school easier if you stick to what you know and having the courage to like go out there and like reach out to people and seek out experiences is like only gonna, I mean, teach you more. Because, and then I think that leads into the second point of like. It's, it's kind of nice to just experience it for yourself. And the fact that emotional support can almost carry you farther in high school than like advice and all of this, like do this, do that, follow this rule, like follow this morning routine, whatever. It's just, it's, it's just like, it, it ties you up so much. And sometimes you sort of just need to live, right? And you have to like experience yeah. it for yourself. Um, and so I really resonated with that. Actually, I, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Go ahead, Orin. Okay, honestly, I think the highlight of my school year, we were all virtual. My sister and I had school together for once. She goes to elementary school. So my mom, she she had to go and teach. So my sister and I would be in the same room and we'd just hug each other. No, that is amazing. I mean, I didn't get to do that. My family was far away, but I completely understand that. I think for me, um, when I was in high school, this is really interesting. Maybe the story helped you guys. I filled out my college application two minutes before the deadline. So I did not apply to the U.S. Um, with the perfect essays by any means. I, I, was a, I mean, I, I did really well in high school. I was preparing for Indian colleges. And I mean, in India, it's not as complicated as it, as it is here. You either pass the exam or you don't pass the exam. It's simple. Um, but with the U.S., it was so complicated. I, I still remember I gave the ACT once and I got my score. I gave every SAT subject t- test once and I turned in my essays two minutes before the deadline. For me specifically, I think my mom has always emphasized creating value instead of trying to focus on vanity metrics. And I think the college admissions process is a lot based on luck. And in some ways, you don't really have a lot of control over it. I do think if you mold your entire personality to fit a college admissions application, which I have never done, by the way, and I still have done pretty okay from my standards, I think you end up becoming more of a vanity metric later on in life, which really doesn't serve you. So if you think the best use of your time is to run um, and be a gamer in your time and be an entrepreneur, then do that. Don't focus on, you know, your college admissions essay. If you want to be someone who's just done chemistry your entire high school, but you need to submit your physics and math AP scores as well, I would highly recommend that you leave the physics and math AP scores. It's not going to serve you in the long run to tailor yourself, because even when you get into that college that you really wanted to get into, trust me, you're not going to succeed, because you've tailored your entire personality around that college, and then you're not going to be passionate about it you're not going to do well. And then when you get out, things just get worse from there because you're just following that pattern of saying, I want to chase everything that this other person is doing. And what happens is you become inauthentic and the world is really good at sniffing out inauthentic people. 
you know, like if you try and fake something later on in life, even in your 20s, it's just not going to work out because people have become really good at faking, you know, sniffing out the people who have fake passions. So I think specifically for high schoolers, I will say this, have a spike. I, I wouldn't say go and do 50, 80 classes. Yes, it's great if you want to get into a college, but if you're and maybe this is not the best advice for those parents that are like, what are you telling my kids right now? They're supposed to be focusing on their APs. But honestly, really think about it because later on in life, it's just going to be harder and harder to come out of that. And I think if you just focus on a limited number of things that you're really exceptional at and you're authentically passionate about, you're going to be just fine no matter where you go or what college you end up at. It's worked out fine for me. And I guess uh, one of the last things that I want to ask kind of like touches back to our beginning. Um, what do you think was your biggest failure and what did you think you learned from it? How did you overcome it? I think I'm going to think about that question for a minute. But I mean, I, I've made so many mistakes. I've hired the wrong people at Full Circle. Um, I've gotten completely lost, like I said, in multiple countries, not called up my parents. But I think there are lots of bigger mistakes that I will talk about later on in life, not because I don't want to share them right now, because but just because I don't think I fully processed exactly what had happened at the time, right? And I think there's a time and a place to tell every story. I will say I've made many, many horrendous mistakes beyond what appears on the surface, right? On the surface, you just see, hey, this person's given a TED Talk. They're doing relatively okay for themselves. On the backside, there are multiple mistakes that no one hears about. Um, and I, I will talk about them, but one of them, of course, is just making lots of mistakes at full circle, blowing up, blowing up a complete round, um, you know, and I, I think specifically getting, not having known the difference between the cultures in India and the US, and then in another country that I went to, was a big mistake. I think I was really unprepared. So I, I, I do think that this is, you know, it's okay to make mistakes and it's going to happen. You don't have a playbook for everything and it's okay. A good place to wrap up. I mean, if that's okay with you guys, this has been a really insightful conversation. I've taken away a lot and I know Swalia and Orna have as well. I have too, yeah. It was, so, it was very much like friends talking, which I really enjoyed. Yeah, it'd be like that. <laughs> I really did.